Hey everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of Cryptids Decrypted. Uh, we're talking about Roswell today, you know, it's appropriate given the Area 51 raid, we wanted to talk about some aliens. But before we get into that, a few interesting housekeeping notes. First of all, you, you might remember, usually this is where I would plug the Patreon and tell you that you're going to get early access to future episodes. Well, the Patreon's dead. Uh, I decided to kill it. Uh, I, one day... I was sitting there and uh, I was sipping cognac in my Tesla and I realized, you know, I don't need your money and I'd rather just bring you content for free. So the podcast will now release simultaneously everywhere. There's no more back for early access or any of that shit. So if you want to support us, the best way to do that going forward is share with your friends, rate us on whatever platform you're listening to, and then as usual, share it with more friends after that too. Just like become a cryptids decrypted evangelist. Second housekeeping note is that we've got some really awesome interviews lined up. I know that this will be our second history of the mystery episode in a row and usually we like to alternate with interviews, but just hasn't lined up that way. Uh, a few weeks after this episode airs, I will be talking with Jan C. Harzman. He is the executive director of the Mutual UFO Network and he seems like he's going to be a really fascinating guy. And then two weeks after that, just in time for Halloween, I will be talking to Dr. Brian Regan about the Jersey Devil. And he actually literally wrote the book on the Jersey Devil, how that myth came to be. He's a, he's a PhD in folklore and I forget where he teaches, but I'm sure it's prestigious as hell. Probably more prestigious than this podcast, but either way, like he's agreed to come on, so that's going to be excellent. Final note, we still have not heard from Rob Lowe, which is just perplexing uh you know like look man i i've watched a lot of parks and rec i feel like we're close just come on the podcast you know i leaving these messages at midnight and you know crying myself to sleep isn't healthy and and you can help with that and actually you know you as fans can help with that too uh like don't don't spam rob Lowe, but maybe every once in a while just add him on twitter be like hey why haven't you gone on cryptids decrypted yeah i think that's that's all i got without further ado let's just get to the episode and talk about some aliens. This is it. This is our, our fifth episode of Cryptids Decrypted. Uh, and of course, we're, we're going to do something that's not on the logo because uh, it's very <laughs> on, brand, on brand for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about Roswell. And that's that's pretty appropriate with the Area 51 raid having just happened like three days uh, before or we recorded. Not this. happened. Yeah, or or not happened. The yeah. the peaceful the peaceful <laughs> waiting at the gate to Area 51. Can we come in yet? <laughs> but uh, it's just me and Tyler today. And Tyler, I think that you've got some interesting background on what exactly led up to Roswell, and then we'll I don't know we'll get into a little bit of the history of the mystery. Yes. Oh, name drop. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this whole thing kind of happened in 1947, which was really the very early days of the Cold War. In 1947, I mean, we're talking shortly after World War II, shortly after the U.S. dropped the two nuclear bombs on in, in Japan. Um, so the U.S. and the tensions between the U.S. and the USSR are kind of, you know, they're rising because each of them are kind of developing a nuclear arm there's basically a nuclear arms race between the two like that's going on and then people are kind of on edge at the thought of nuclear war and this is prior to the cold war but you know this is really like the groundwork for the cold war um so that's going on and and in 1947 um i think honestly i think it's like less than a month before the roswell incident 
stuff happened. Um, you sort of start to see the beginning of the UFO. I don't know. They call it the UFO craze. I don't know if that's quite appropriate, but people becoming interested in the UFO in, in, you know, aliens and UFOs and stuff. So what kind of kicked it off was this guy, uh, Kenneth Arnold. He was a amateur pilot and he claims to have seen, uh, nine UFOs <clears throat> while flying around, uh, Mount Rainier. That's quite a few. <laughs> it is quite a few. Yeah. Which it's interesting. Cause I, a lot of this came from a, uh, a YouTube video from the Smithsonian that um, I think it's called like ask an expert or something about the Roswell incident. And the guy is so, I mean, he's got a lot of great information, but he's very dismissive of anything that's not basically the, the official story. <laughs> so okay, yeah. uh, like, so a lot of his information is actually inaccurate. Like, so he's like, Oh, he saw one flying saucer and then the flying saucer, you know, he, he, he his description of it changed over the years, which is true. Cause he came out, he, you know, initially he said, yep, they were UFO there. They're flying saucers. Um, that kind of, I think was maybe the, f- I'm, I'm not positive, but I kind of think, get the feeling that's the first time that flying saucers as like a, as a thing kind of entered the public, um, you know, thought i guess i was gonna say it's interesting to like i mean with a lot of the stuff that we're coming across with cryptids the the inconsistency of witness testimony over time and that it changes but i mean in the in the a same, lot a lot with this one too and i think you know in this in the but in the same breath like uh, on the on the conspiracy side of side of things i i think that when people do undergo traumatic events right there is the there is the psychological sure. principle like the flashbulb memory where mm-hmm people start to generate these basically false memories, yeah right. false memories around a traumatic event like the best right. example is 9/11 right people yep. uh gener- have these very crystal clear memories that are oftentimes not true and can yep. change over time so i, I don't remember where i was hearing it maybe maybe it was you uh, i was hearing that someone was telling me that with 9/11 that a lot of people have like they remember the day but they they have basically fabricated what they were doing at the time Yep. Of the you know the towers falling and so yeah it's kind of interesting um, thing to consider with this. Yeah. Anyway, so he, this pilot sees a so, bunch of UFOs around yeah. that right here. Yeah. Uh, back in back up to Washington again. I don't understand why all this spooky stuff happens up there, but anyway, he sees nine flying UFOs flying around while he's a you know he's flying his plane. Um, and so this story kind of gains traction in the media and that really like you start hearing about a lot of UFO sightings throughout the U.S throughout the summer of 1947. Uh, so that that totally leads into the Roswell incident, which occurs in, well, it's it's unclear. There's some debate over the exact date, but it looks like July, early July, maybe late June of 1947. Right. And that's like, this is kind of your classic, like men in black Mars attacks scenario with the, the crashed alien ship uh, on, right. on a rancher's. Like it's been done so many times in popular film it came from somewhere. So, yeah, in 1947, a guy that's a rancher, a ranch hand, his name's Mac, sorry, Mac Brazel. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Brazel or Brazil or something or like Brazel. that. Like <laughs> yeah, B-R-A-Z-E-L. So, anyway, he's in, he's about 30 miles outside of Roswell, but, you know, around that area, especially during that time, it's probably not as well, probably not well developed. It's already a, so it's still a small town, so... I guess 30 miles outside of a small city is still considered, considered that city. Yeah. Um, so he, him and his son are, they spot some debris. Uh, and it's made up of like tinfoil and rubber and, and sticks. 
sticks. Uh, and so they initially ignore it, um, which I think is really interesting because their inclination when they see this material is just, oh, whatever, it's just trash. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, tinfoil and sticks, I, does that sound like a spaceship to you? No, and they like they describe like <laughs> scraps of heavy, glossy, paper-like material, which, um, I mean, like, yeah, n- none of this is... None of it at all is what I would think of as, you know, a traditional UFO. (laughs) But they come back, they do decide to come back a few days later. And here's the other interesting part. So, like, I I feel very confident that it's tinfoil sticks and rubber because he just picks it up and throws it in the back of his pickup truck and takes it to the sheriff's office. If it was heavy, if if it's heavy metals or glass, like, you don't just pick it up and throw it in the back of your pickup truck. Like, that, that alone right there should kind of set off some people's sort of... Well, I mean, and it's—I yeah, I mean, when when you hear what the government says it was, it it kind of starts to make sense, right? Like, right. It's, yep. it's like, oh, you know, the 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 government is pretty quick to to cover this up because it did it did gain a lot of traction. Like, it was in all the local papers, and I think pretty sh- pretty soon it was a national phenomenon. But I think that the government covering it up actually did more, right? Well, kind of. So he takes it to the sheriff's office. He takes it down to the sheriff's office, and he basically is like. Hey, I've heard of these UFOs because he's heard about, you know, Kenneth Arnold, who we were talking about a minute ago. Heard about these UFOs, and I, you think this could be one of those things? So the sheriff doesn't know, right? Because he's a sheriff of a podunk town in New Mexico. So he calls up uh, this guy named Major Jesse. You know, he's at the Roswell Air Force Base, named Major Ro- Major uh, Jesse Marcel. Uh, and so he comes over and he takes the stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, it's weird or whatever." It's a little unclear, I guess, exactly what happens around this time, but a local newspaper kind of caught wind of the story, and they um, publish an article. I, I don't, I'm not entirely clear how. So basically, I, I heard, you know, I heard that they were publishing two issues per day, so a morning and an evening newspaper. And basically, the evening newspaper, or maybe the morning newspaper, I guess, the next day says RAAF, which is the Roswell Air Force Base. I don't know what how it how that works out but raf uh captures flying saucer on ranch in roswell region um and then kind of retracts their story uh later that afternoon with a basically um maybe guess it's the following day so the military releases its press statement and basically says no you know there was some some material recovered blah 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 they never use the the word flying saucer uh that's that the flying saucer term was only used by uh, the newspaper. Yeah. And I mean, and we're getting it to the point, right, where the trust in the government is kind of at an all-time low. At that point, yeah. I mean, we're a little bit wary after seeing what, you know, like, again, with the nuclear nuclear bombs in Japan. And so there is some distrust. It's not crazy high like it is, you know, today or the 90s or whatever when we get into that in a little bit. But it's not great. Yeah, and it's also like espionage too, right? Like this is the kind almost like the the beginning of well, not the beginning of espionage, but it is. There's a lot of espionage happening, right? There's again distrust of the government, there's distrust of especially the Russians. Yeah. So anyway, the debris is flown down from New Mexico or over, I guess I don't know how this works out, but to Texas, um, and they do further research, and that's where they determine it to be a weather balloon and its kite. Um, so at the time, they they make this statement: yes, it was you know a, it was a crashed weather balloon um and honestly it just kind of goes into fits into obscurity that the the public just kind of accepts it and goes oh okay that makes sense um and you don't really hear anything about it for like 30 years 
Well, I mean, like, so there's a little bit after that, right? So the because of the basically because of the government statement, people, you know, the people who are who are primed to think about this already start thinking it's a cover up, and then in the three years after they initially dismiss it as a weather balloon, people start seeing what they describe as like figures falling out of the sky, Uh, and they, you know, they start to think that this is maybe the government experimenting on the aliens that they brought back from the crash site at Roswell. I don't know what they would be doing, but apparently, like, dro- <laughs> dropping aliens from high altitude constitutes an experiment. Um, and that's, you know, so that's that's what they thought they were doing. Of course. You know, like, later, that that specific piece of it is revealed to it's the government's testing uh, ways for pilots to survive high-altitude falls. So they're literally just tossing crash test dummies out of the sky, uh, <laughs> which they have latex skin and aluminum bones. And if they get real fucked up on the way down, like, of course, like, yeah, that, that might end up looking like an alien. Um, especially if you find it, you might be like, oh, my God, these things have aluminum bones. They must be so advanced. Um <laughs> But I mean, realistically, it could have been a pilot crash test dummy. Was this like, was the was the government pretty forthcoming with what they were doing there? Because I mean, that seems like a like, what's the point in hiding? Yeah, so I I don't know if they talked about the dummy drops until like everything was declassified in '94. I think that might have been something because they I know that we were keeping a lot of our high altitude aircraft secret. Yeah, that's true. So, and I think that that was you know that was part of it because they were just trying to make sure like. Because you can't do a traditional canopy eject when you're that high in the air, so that's what they were trying to figure out. So, gotcha. Very Just interesting. Drop out the bottom instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, it kind of the story of uh, Roswell kind of faded into obscurity for like what I say, thirty years or so. Yeah. So in the seventies, the seventies, eighties, nineties, you kind of the story kind of pops up again, and it it really gains traction. So you get start uh, having these ufologists come around, and they're interviewing, you know, these supposed witnesses. And so the first book that I really could find much on was called The Roswell Incident, published in 1980, and it's authored by uh, Charles Berlitz and William Moore. Um, and I found it funny that their previous books that they had worked on were about the Bermuda Triangle and the Philadelphia Experiment, which is the military, you know, supposedly made this boat go invisible this giant you know navy ship go invisible so they already have like a repertoire of uh bs uh <laughs> conspiracy theory whoa, whoa, whoa. we haven't done bermuda triangle yet you can't call that bs until we have officially well, declared okay, it bs right. on this podcast that's true we're, we're the source of truth <laughs> uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for then uh suspects suspect <laughs> suspicious uh military and and, and government conspiracies so yeah anyway there's there's a history there so the book kind of goes on to state that like an alien ufo was flying in over new mexico and he was the, the aliens were observing nuclear tests which i just imagine they're like in like a bubble on top of you know flying saucer and they're just like watching it happen <laughs> observing <laughs> nuclear tests and then it the, their their spaceship or whatever is hit by lightning and so the lightning kills the aliens and their ship crashes Mm-hmm. which is solid okay yeah, obviously. <laughs> i mean that's There's that's a... science that's what happens yeah well it's fair it's fair airplanes airplanes are hit by lightning all the time and all those people die so it makes sense yeah anyway <laughs> so basically they say that happens and this government cover-up ensues so these guys um what are their names uh charles burlitz and william moore 
They claim to have interviewed 19 alleged witnesses, or not, sorry, 90 alleged witnesses. Whoa. Um, and, and some of those people, they include the son of Mac Brazel, who again was the, the rancher. Yep. Uh, mentioned earlier. Brazel's neighbor. And the son of the newsman who interviewed who interviewed Brazel in uh, in nineteen in the nineteen forties, right? I, I even look at like their their witness list is like, oh, the guy that knew the guy or his kid, his son or the guy's neighbor. So it just seems a little suspect. So there's some pretty wild claims that were made during those interviews, um, including description of the material recovered as, and quote, not made of this earth. And having like super strength um, that you never tip, you wouldn't typically find in a weather balloon, right? So they're still fueling this conspiracy that there's something else going on. So this was kind of the conspiracy standard until you know late 80s or so. Um, this is what people just kind of accepted as the alternative story to the military story. Authors started coming out with their own story. Other authors started coming out with their own books, trying to cash in on this. So, and they and they made their own claims. So, for example, in '91, um, there's this book that comes out, UFO Crash at Roswell, which is kind of, I think it's kind of the the biggest book. The, the authors that wrote that wrote another book um, later on, and we'll get back to that in a second. But they make this claim that there was this 400 foot gouge in the earth where the you know the ship had crashed in and. Yeah, I mean, like that—that's more what I expected, honestly. When I, when when we said we were going to be researching Roswell, yep. Because I was like, wait, it's—I mean, I, I knew that it had been covered up as a weather balloon, but yeah. uh, yeah, I, yeah, man, I really, I really thought that we were going to hear like some story about some sort of saucer, but it, none of the original really stuff wasn't. sounds like there was a saucer no. at all. No, I expected something. And this 400-foot gouge in the earth, like, that sounds cool. Like, I get that. Like, oh, man, it was flying, and it lost altitude and slammed into the earth and slid for 400, 500 feet. But, you know, that didn't come up until 1991. So where was that story for, you know, 50 years almost, 45 years? Yeah. Um, another one of the stories was, you know, that the military had armed guards at the ranch, turning people away. Um, and in 89, an alleged witness started claiming that there were alien bodies at the crash site and the military had performed autopsies on them, which yeah, uh, I think I don't think it's related to Roswell, but there I remember this video being released, I think, in the 90s. Yeah, 94. I a little bit about it. 94. I don't think it was related to Roswell, right? This one, I, I couldn't quite tell. It just said this. This is the video of the government, you know, performing experiments on on a right. on alien life that had crash landed on Earth, right? Yes, and that one was eventually debunked by the guy that released it and said, "Oh no, it was a it was a hoax." Basically, I think in two thousand seven, I think is where I saw. Yeah, somewhere around there, and then like that was that video also came out like right around the time. So there there was research done around that time that was showing that basically any time some sort of sci-fi film came out that did really well like independence day so the year independence day came out there was 609 ufo sightings uh which is significantly more than the years before or after it and then in the 70s when you have like close encounters of the third kind uh of course like yeah and and like cocoon and there was there was a bunch of good sci-fi i mean that was this is a good time for sci-fi but it's a heyday yeah yeah sure so I think that in that all that all sort of increases the ridiculous sightings where it's like it all it all comes back to like this original story of like, OK, maybe there was uh, some material that looked a little suspect. But yeah. Um, and then I think what so, so what kind of happens around the time is you sort of this like snowball effect. Um, 
and you get these sort of like wilder and wilder descriptions of you know what happened so the authors of that ufo crash at roswell they ended up releasing like a sequel (laughs) uh called the truth about the ufo crash at roswell which seems weird because their first book was just called the ufo crash at roswell or or something like that um and it kind of did away with several accounts sort of cherry-picked what they wanted to include this time so they did with several accounts that were you know deemed controversial i can't remember the exact name of the guy but there was a witness had had basically been caught lying several times and his story was was they'd even proven the authors had proven like no this guy's full of shit um so they, they, they pulled out like his stuff and they also added uh which i think is funny they added this what i think is a rather important detail uh that the alien bodies were taken by uh airplane to be viewed uh, by dwight eisenhower yeah <laughs> this is prior to becoming president so Lots of wild stories, lots of books coming out, lots of money being made around this whole thing. Um, and at the same time, you kind of have these two organizations uh, called MUFON and uh, what, is the, uh, what does that stand for? Uh, the Mutual UFO Network. Yeah, and then you also have the Center for UFO Studies. Um, so they're, they're kind of like considered the two biggest uh, UFO societies at the time. I think there's a third one, right? Uh, SETI is the search for extraterrestrial SETI. intelligence. That's the one that we see at the beginning of Independence Day. Um, uh, so I mean, that's that for a long time that was the only organization I knew about just because of Independence Day. Um, but they actually gotcha. tend to be far more on the skeptical side. Like when you look at all these arguments, really? SETI is the okay. one that's like, nah. Like we believe, we believe because they're they're scientists actually searching for extraterrestrial life, but they don't believe that there have been any UFO sightings on Earth or that any aliens have come into contact with Earth. They're more so looking for deep space signals. Oh, really? I didn't know that. They like is that the movie Contact? Is that about them? You know, I actually haven't seen Contact. Okay, I can't remember. I've seen the movie, you know, probably twenty years ago, so I don't really remember very well. But yeah, that's so why I think it's funny that they're at the beginning of Independence Day because they they likely would not be monitoring. They wouldn't be the ones who were monitoring Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> that would that would probably be Mufon or uh, the other one. <laughs> so anyway, these two societies, they're whatever these groups. They actually had like disagreements over some of the scenarios that were presented in these books. Uh, and so they would have these conferences where they would have a bunch of people there, of course, because you have to make money. Um, and they would have these sort of debates and try to come to consensus over like what actually happened. Um, and I think that's ultimately what led to the second book being written. Um, you know, truth about the the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell. And then the other book that is worth mentioning is called Crash at Corona. <clears throat> and this is written by Stanton Friedman, which I believe you have something him right oh yeah Stan, Stanton Friedman very interesting guy so he's the he's like the first civilian that documented the the site of the Roswell UFO incident actually like interviewed people yeah as as we talked about before the the podcast too like he's the one that started increasing the number of aliens slash uh slash ships and things like that that were found yeah the book I think it like goes from one flying saucer to two and like two aliens to eight i guess kind of makes sense and then i think he also said like that two of them survived and were taken into custody maybe that's where the uh, autopsy came from or something yeah and i mean that makes sense right because like if aliens are an advanced species like you know they're gonna start carpooling like that's that's the first <laughs> not using fossil fuels yeah that's come on sure. like they would they would not have made it this far <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, this all kind of like culminates in the mid-90s, 94 through 97, basically people demanding an, an investigation by the Air Force. Um, so the Air Force kind of opens this investigation, I think, in 94, and it goes on for a few years. And they come out with this massive friggin' document, like a tome of of what happened. Um, and their big prevailing theory that they come to after everything's been declassified is this military project called Project Mogul. Uh, and I know you have some more information on that, but before we get to that, basically, I guess, high-level experiment uh, that the military was performing with a series of these, like, metallic balloons, and they would have, like, a shit ton of them, like, all connected to each other, and they'd fly it really, really high. Yep. And they'd fly it over. The goal, the goal was to fly it over to Russia. They would be able to detect whenever the Russians were testing nuclear weapons. So... If that's the official story, it makes a lot of sense why they cover it up saying it's a weather balloon. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much what I have. Yeah, it's just that the, the balloons were these long-distance sound detection devices, which, yeah, you're right, makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I did I, I researched the conspiracy some more because that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what this podcast is about, both sides. Yes. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tell me about it. So, 1984... These, these documents come out about Majestic 12. And Majestic 12, I actually found these documents on the FBI.gov website because they're, uh, I forget what the wording is, but it's like if it's of historical importance, they will put it on there. And these were deemed of historical importance. But Majestic 12 is a very secret government operation that was launched by Truman uh, for the investigation of extraterrestrials. And actually at the beginning of these documents, it talks about the guy flying by Rainier. And saying that that's the that is the reason that the Majestic Twelve was formed, and uh, I assume it's like the Magnificent Seven. There's twelve of them, but I'm not I'm not you know I'm not positive. And anyway, so they upon upon hearing about those stories, this document purports that they were tasked with investigating how these uh, alien craft were propelled, why they were here, uh, what kind of technology they had. And then, so it's funny, on the FBI website, it's actually kind of hard to read because uh, across the page in big, bold letters, it's just bogus yeah. in Sharpie. <laughs> like, bo- bogus is written across That's it. Awesome. Because, um, you know, a couple of times these documents were uh, said to be, like, forgery. And hmm. But the document does talk about, like, the Roswell debris being taken back to a secret base for analysis and... Just the the requests from the highest authority who, you know, the president at the time asking about how does it function. So Stanton Friedman, actually, he looked at these documents and was able to prove that some of them were fake, but others he said he wasn't so sure about. What do you mean fake? Um, So like some of the documents, he was like, these are forgery, but like not the entirety of the document is forgery. The FBI got hold of these forged documents and left them in the report yeah so they they have them in the report obviously with a giant label of bogus so that people could go see it so it wasn't this big mystery right the, oh those pages not the whole entire document right and well i mean the whole entire oh, document okay. the fbi thinks is bogus but Stanton friedman disagrees you know because i mean like and if you look at a picture of him man like he is the he's the caricature of what you would expect somebody who who studies ufos to look like <laughs> But, you know, he looks at these documents and he says, all right, yeah, some of it baloney, but some of it it's not. And he actually starts arguing with another ufologist named uh, Philip J. Class, um, who, oh gosh, I think he's part of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. There's there's a lot of these uh, organizations, mm-hmm. but Philip J. Class eventually makes him a bet. And he says, you know what, because uh, he thinks the 
the typeface, uh, so something about the way that it's lexically constructed, the document is inconsistent with other memos for, uh, like from the FBI or to, to the president. And he, and he asks Friedman to go find, he's like, if you can find examples of other documents like this, I'll pay you $100 for each example. <laughs> so Friedman goes and finds 14 examples that match his theory uh, and like basically show that they are the same. So he gave him four, four free ones, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he did. And then he, so he got $1,000, but he, yeah, it was like, why didn't he pay 1400 Like, I, <laughs> I guess Philip J. Class got cheap and he's like, all right, a thousand's enough. And anyway, so he, pay, he, <laughs> he pays him for 10, 10 of the 14 examples, um, but that kind of dies. Like it, it dies right there where I don't think he really convinced Class, but Friedman was very sure that uh, right. these, these documents were legitimate. He, so he then thinks that this is the reason why this is a government cover-up. And that's what a lot of people believe because it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a realistic story. But if you're willing to believe that the government is going to cover up and take aliens back to a secret base, then, I mean, there's, there's right. not a lot that's going to disprove that. That's, yeah. that's a pretty high level of distrust, right? And he's <laughs> testified before the House of Representatives. He's written papers, spoken at colleges. Like, Stan Freeman really believed this. Uh, and he actually, he died in May of this year. But he, like, to the end, he was very much so, I don't know, on board with Roswell was a conspiracy. And... So he specifically, and he even looked into the propulsion system of what would drive these these ships. And he said it was like magnetohydrodynamic propulsion, which essentially means passing electricity through highly conductive fluid right. to produce propulsion. I think, yeah, he's a nuclear physicist too. So, I mean, he's got some, he's got some chops. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of the people who are, you know, UFOlogists now, aside from like Tom DeLonge, actually uh, <laughs> like have scientific degrees and are and study these things but right it's interesting and so friedman of course disagrees with seti which believes in intelligent life but does not believe in the ufo sightings and yeah he actually believes that these ufos originate from relatively nearby sun-like stars i should say he believed so that's that's kind of the crux of the giant conspiracy surrounding roswell is just the idea that there was this secret government organization called majestic 12 and it's possibly still tasked with covering up alien life and, you know, only relaying it to the highest possible authority. So, you know, theoretically, when you're sworn in, this is this is the organization you ask about first thing. Well, of course. Right? I just want to run for president just so I can find out if this, if this shit's real or not. I know. Yeah, just walk in and be like, all right, look, I get it. We'll, we'll get to everything in a minute. But So the uh, Hillary's emails uh, <laughs> that were uh, <laughs> released by Wicca, Wicca, whatever. WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks, thank you. WikiLeaks. They there are actually references to this. Um, I haven't found them myself, but um, I'm, I'm hesitant to to venture into WikiLeaks. But uh, that's a dark hole. <laughs> yeah. There is a, apparently uh, John Podesta, who was chief of staff for President Clinton and was a campaign and was a campaign advisor, I think, on on Hillary's uh, campaign. He had a lot of interest in this. Like he's really interested in this, and so God, I want to say one of the emails talks about about like him like it's him trying to either gather information or making promises that if hillary is elected like she will de- decline i think that's what it was is hillary would declassify um as much documentation around this subject as she could oh, wow. uh, speaking of tom DeLong, you mentioned him uh there's actually one of the emails list there that was leaked was uh tom DeLong reaching out to john podesta talking about this guy and his reputation and how you know tom DeLong who I'm a you know I was a huge am still a huge Blink One Eighty Two fan so this was super exciting for me. This guy is you know reputable and um, that you can trust him and that he had given him a tour of um, some facilities or something. So pretty interesting stuff. 
Yeah, so here's here's part of the email from Tom DeLonge, and this is to John Podesta. It says, I would like to bring two very important people out to meet you in D.C. I think you will find them very interesting as they were principal leadership relating to our sensitive topic. Both were in charge of most fragile divisions as it relates to classified science and DOD topics. Other words, these are A-level officials, worth our time, and as well, the investment to bring all the way out to you. I just need two hours from you looking to have a casual and private conversation in person. <laughs> and then and then he says, here are some photos from the material I'm using as I meet with studio partners, because he's, he's working on making a documentary uh, with DreamWorks yeah. at this point. Which oh, it, is he? It, or or that, he at, the, at that time of the email, which was 2015. Interesting. Yeah, he started his own company, I think, called uh, To the Stars, uh, and they focus on studying aliens and shit. And also, I think they produce like uh, media, like songs or like music, and you know, comic books and stuff that kind of are surrounding these sorts of things. Yeah. So before we get into there's there's a lot of recent stories I know that we could probably talk about. Uh, but bef- before we get there, let's let's just let's just weigh in on Roswell. Scale of, of, of bullshit to 100%. It is it is a conspiracy. They are hiding the aliens. Where, where do you fall? I, you know, I know I'm the skeptic on this uh, on this program. Uh, I think maybe more than anybody. I would tend to believe the story um, that it's uh, what Project Mogul. Yeah. Um, however, I, I mean... Government has a lot to hide, right? They have a lot, a lot to gain, a lot to lose. Um, I would believe that if Earth has been contacted by extraterrestrials, the U.S. government absolutely knows about it. I, I don't. That I'm not so sure about. So, if that, if Roswell was like that first incident, I, I don't know. Like, I, I could definitely see them covering it up. Now, I, there's a lot of shitty stuff that comes out of this that I don't believe uh, that makes it really sound crazy. But yeah, I'm going to lean towards it's project mobile. The caveat that I would not be terribly surprised if that was even a cover up. Yeah. I think, I think me, me too. Like I'm also leaning towards, it was probably project mogul, but the, the things that give me pause, like project mogul is so goddamn cartoony. (laughs) That is some Looney Tunes bullshit. Like we are going to, we're just going to strap a bunch of high altitude weather balloons with giant fucking (laughs) microphones on them and float them to Russia so that we can hear their missile tests is that is Wiley Coyote running the government. <laughs> yeah, Wiley Coyote wasn't elected until 2016. Yeah, come so. on, like, come on, guys. But like, in, in the same breath, yeah, like the government does dumb shit. I know this is the second time I've brought this up on this program, but there was the expedition for mole people that was legitimately founded by the right. funded by the government. Uh, we know the government now has has funded expeditions to find uh, Bigfoot. The government has like tested Yeti. hairs from other cryptids. Yeah, like the the Nepalese government, of course, played into the Yeti myth. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I also agree though. Yeah, the government. There's no way there we would not know if we had been contacted by aliens. Like this is exactly what an alien cover up would look like. I'm just not sure. I believe this is the cover up. This is the one. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not saying there hasn't been any cover ups, but I'm definitely saying this is this one. Especially when you look at the original evidence, just saying that it's like sticks and duct tape and stuff. Like, yeah, it, that the, to me does not scream alien spacecraft that has crashed on Earth. I'm also like not not necessarily a believer in like little green men, just because the the odds of something else in the universe being humanoid are are very Seems low. Like I think we're yeah. more likely to get something like the thing, oh, where it's ju- where it's just gonna infect <laughs> Antarctica. And <laughs> I mean, they did. So they, gotta... they found that thing in Antarctica, right? Really? Re- oh, did they? 
Yeah, they found aliens. it's an undiscovered creature. It's definitely not an alien, but they found like a really creepy looking undiscovered creature. And I was like, you guys, this never goes well. <laughs> yeah, just burn it. Yeah, just just, just burn it now. <laughs> Set like, it on fire. Fuck, fuck science. Burn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got to ask you then, do you have do you have alien stories? Oh, God, no. But I do have and I, I won't name the family members because they they will be mad. <laughs> I have family members who are who are very much so true believers in UFOs may or may not have been involved in some UFO like cults uh, in the past uh, like or, or just or maybe not a cult. A cult is a strong term. Heavily believe in UFOs. Uh, like this person as a child definitely told me they were out there. They were big fans of the X-Files in the 90s. And so for a long time, I think I, I also believed that, you know, like getting abducted was like a real threat. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was definitely scared of that when I was a kid. Yeah. Like anytime I was out like an open so... field at night, I was like, eh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, that reminds me one time I was I, I worked. I used to work and I'd, well, <laughs> I still work, but I used to work late at night and coming home, you know, middle of the night. I used to have to drive on this sort of this back road uh, that had farm equipment and stuff. And I was driving and I, my heart fucking stopped because I'm looking and on my left, there's all, there's just bright lights like flashing and it's huge. It's like, you know, 20 feet tall and just ton of light, just ton of lights. And I get freaked out. Um, so I, I speed <laughs> out of there uh, and get home and, uh, go to bed. I'm terrified, right? Because I'm like, oh my god, I just saw this UFO. I could have got fucking abducted. And so I tell my mom the next day, and she's like, honey, that is a farm. It's, it was probably uh, a hay a hay bale, a hay baler. <laughs> uh, and now that I think back on it, <laughs> it's almost certainly what it was because I would see those all the time out there, and it was exactly the same size. And so yeah. So you didn't hear you didn't hear bit. like you didn't hear this noise when you were out there like. No, no, I did not hear the close encounters sound. I did hear uh, nothing. That's what was freaky about it was I didn't hear anything. Uh, oh, really? but I guess so it's just like a farm machinery standing still. Right. It was, you know, it was also like one in the morning. So what the hell is it doing out there anyway? Like just trying to scare people. Uh, I think so. But I had, I have a, I have a, I have a UFO story. Oh, it's not really much of a story. It's not that really exciting to be honest with you. But I saw, I was driving home with my wife. And I see this dot like in the sky, and that's, so I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then it like is just, I realize it's just staying in one place. Um, and it's evening, you know. It's not completely dark, but it's pretty. It's getting there, you know. And it's it's light. And so I'm like driving up, and I'm kind of like keeping an eye on it. I'm like, hey, do you see that? You see that? And she's like, yeah, I see that. And uh, so we're just watching it. And this thing is not that high up in the air. It's not big. So it's not It's not even the size of like a helicopter. No, sorry. It's bigger than the size. Sorry. It's bigger. It's about the size of a helicopter. It's big. I was just meant to say, it's not like small. It's not the size of like a drone. Because that was my initial thought. I was like, oh, that's weird. There's like a drone uh, just flying over the freeway. Uh, but this thing, you know, we kind of got close to it. I'm like, no, that thing's too big to be just a drone. And I could tell like the approximate height, you know, it was a little bit above the bridge I was about to drive under. So anyway, I saw that. And then I looked in my rear view mirror and I saw it fly off. <laughs> like, zoom. pretty wild stuff. Huh. Pretty wild stuff. Probably just a drone. That, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, but there's... Me, sound like a UFO. Uh, yeah, now especially, though, like drones. Oh, my God. There's there's a lot of drones that could easily look like a UFO. And that... that well, you can put, like, four of those things together and make something look big. And Yeah. yeah. It's 
it's tough to tell the difference, man, because we almost have <laughs> we almost have what we would traditionally think of as UFOs, like those are almost a real thing. But that that reminds me too, thinking of like the bright dot in the sky. Did you watch yeah. the uh, the footage that Tom DeLonge had, had released? That that I think this week, yeah. yeah, or last week, last week the Navy came out and said like he should never have released that footage. It was classified. Yeah. Well, I don't think that I think the problem was that he got the footage. But yeah, like they're like legit. This is a UFO. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's an alien. Yeah, I, I mean that, sh- that should be that should be you know we should indicate. Just because something's a UFO does not make it a, a, an alien. Yeah, and I mean, in this case, like, they call it an object that looked like a tic-tac that went from 60,000 to 50 feet in a matter of yeah. seconds off the coast of California. There's another one where they're flying one of the fastest jets that the yeah. U.S. government has, and they still are having trouble tracking the movement of this other uh, this other object. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it's shit like that that makes me think, like, okay, all right, maybe. <laughs> I just think, it's, I thought, I saw that too. I thought it was really interesting that they... We're like, yeah, we don't know what that is. Yeah, the Navy considers <laughs> the, the phenomena contained and depicted in these videos as unidentified. So, I mean, I- interesting. The Navy has nothing better to uh, to say other than like it's it's unidentified. Because I feel like if they wanted to not stoke UFO rumors, they could have definitely. <laughs> I mean, like, does the Navy need funding? Uh, is that? <laughs> <laughs> they just get like seven hundred billion dollars or something. You know, you know, Trump is like, oh, what? Blink one eighty two saw a UFO. Oh my God! Fun, fun the Navy. It's like, well, sorry, yeah, sorry. No shit. Yeah, that's the guy to go to. I mean, I mean, if you if you were gonna fund a ridiculous expedition, now is the time. And he's the guy to do it. I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't gotten more cartoonery out of this presidency. Like we've just gotten racism and horrible shit. But like, <laughs> uh, you know, like like fund fund an expedition to the Bermuda Triangle. Like like do some wacky shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's not going to redeem him, but I would just like to see it. Uh, and like, yeah. So he's going to get desperate here in a few months and start releasing just like, oh yeah, here's all the alien information we have, <laughs> just to win, just drum up some votes. He's like, hey, um, yeah, anyway, God. <laughs> so uh, I think we both said we're we think it's likely explained by the uh, government's explanation, but yeah, yeah, this one, this one for sure. Roswell, like, sure, I believe they're cartoony fucking balloons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I guess maybe, maybe it was a good idea. I don't know if it actually well, worked or not. Well, it's an experiment, too, to be fair. Like, they're going to do weird experiments from time to time. I mean, also, that's a pretty like, visible experiment. And I guess we know that the Japanese experimented with uh, high-altitude weather balloons that they tied bombs to or, uh, at the end of World War II, and they were trying to float them over to the, the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of them actually exploded this. and killed a family in, uh, yeah. I think it was in Washington. And I want to say... This is Oregon or Washington, yeah. They like flew like in the sixties or seventies, whatever. They flew that family out. This whole thing, I think. They have to look into that. That, that. Yeah, that was interesting. I remember hearing about that years ago. I actually saw that at Ripley's, believe it or not, on the Oregon coast. Uh, like yeah. that's where I first learned about that incident. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Um, so usually we uh, move on to some current events. Sounds like you had one already with that Tom DeLonge video, yep. but I have one. Oh, I've right. got one story. I think I sent it to you, but we can talk about it. There is cattle mutilations happening in Oregon right, right now. Yeah. Uh, and apparently this happened years and years ago, that very similar situation um, are finding dead uh, animals, dead dead cattle, and they're finding that their organs are like surgically removed, their udders surgically removed or whatever. Um, probably, I think usually it's their genitals of some sort, but they aren't able to find a single track near it. It's like they just die. Uh, and then have their body parts 
removed. I think a lot of times when you see these cattle mutilations, there's there are tracks apparently visible. You can usually write it off as being uh, uh, like a coyote or something to that effect. Because apparently coyotes can get pretty pretty surgical with the way they remove body parts, which yeah. I don't know that I believe that, but <laughs> I've heard that. I'm just picturing a coyote in a surgeon uniform now. <laughs> like, hold still, I need your genitals. Sorry. <laughs> but it's apparently happening in eastern Oregon. Um, and I think, I want to say somewhere in the Midwest, but I'm not positive. Um, but it's anyway, it's a really interesting story. Um, you can go on uh, opb.org, which is Oregon Public Broadcasting, and they have an article from September 18th, so just a few days ago, talking about this. There was like a butcher. Oh, yeah, one of the ladies who discovered one of the carcasses, her son is a butcher, and it was basically like this is you know this 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 is not done by an animal basically like he he knows like he's saying like the, the with the precision and how clean the cuts are like there's no way this was an animal so it's just very interesting huh so it's either like a very sneaky psychopath or or aliens that's that's wild though and that it is really wild it just reminds me of destroy all humans where they think you know cows are the dominant life forms at first uh, so that's <laughs> this is what they start experimenting with well and in a weird way it kind of makes sense okay so i look at this it could be the government right and they're experimenting on populations right maybe they're trying to see like what they can get away with and have people talk about and not talk about and see what happens oh man but i also think that if this was aliens like it totally makes sense that they would abduct a, an animal perform experiments on its body and then leave it where they found it i mean that's not that makes a lot of sense if you consider the way that we've explored you know humans being you know we being humans explored the world and a lot of that is around animals and in plant life and stuff like that so it's not that far-fetched or weird i think as if alien if you accept that you know aliens are visiting i think the the first theory that you have about the government is more fucked up than aliens coming to visit <laughs> and i'd never thought about something like that but oh man like yeah. I, I could i could totally see that i yeah <laughs> i mean that's that seems more plausible than anything else because the government's a bunch of dicks uh but <laughs> government yeah. of dicks yeah, government of dicks for my current event I this is the last time I want to talk about it because uh, it's horribly disappointing. Uh, but uh, well, we've talked about it every yeah. episode uh, to date. Yeah. So Area Fifty One, <laughs> the raid happened, uh, and by happened okay. I mean a bunch uh, a bunch of people, and by a bunch of people I mean a couple dozen uh, showed up outside the gates. To I think it was Area like seventy five, wasn't it? Yeah, the numbers were like seventy five. That's not that's not that's not a small number. It's not millions. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's nowhere near the numbers they had on Facebook. Um, (laughs) but I mean, of course, like the kid who was organizing the event, uh, which I mean, if you've looked him up, good, good Lord. I I thought about having him on to interview because he, (laughs) his DMS are still open on Twitter. And then I was like, no, uh, I'm not doing it. Uh, but he's just your classic Florida teen. Uh, but. Oh, he's a teenager. Yeah. All right. He might not be a teenager, but he's like, he's very young and he just looks like a skateboarder dude, very long hair, soul patch. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to profile him, but, uh, he, uh, so he canceled it. And my, I think my favorite thing to come out of all this was there was a removed tweet. I forget which branch of the government it was from, but it essentially said anyone who tries to storm area 51, this is the last thing they'll see. And it was a group of government officials standing in front of a B 52 bomber. Uh, (laughs) And that was quickly like dismissed as like, no, 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 this doesn't reflect our stance. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> which that's great. yeah it's like oh we don't kill civilians yeah, we were not gonna shoot you if you stormed area 51 which they totally would have but like uh so yeah i mean people showed up one person got briefly detained because she tried to run past the barrier but then she was released uh nobody clapped alien cheeks no i was hoping for cheek clapping there was the kid that naruto run yeah a guy naruto run behind the the cameras as they were filming is Naruto the name of the character on this on this cartoon? I think it's also it's the name of the I know it's the name of the cartoon. It's the same show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know shit about anime. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, me neither. If it ain't Death Note, I don't know about it. But yep, that that closes the book on the Area Fifty One raid. Uh, it was thank uh, yeah. God. <laughs> it was I'm underwhelming. So sick of you talking about this thing. <laughs> I know. I brought I brought it up every episode. I'm I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, now, now we're done with it. So, but, but onto some, some real UFO science next time, uh, I'm going to be interviewing Jancy Harzen. He's on the board of directors for MUFON, the mutual UFO network. Uh, really interesting guy. He was in the information technology business working for IBM for 37 years. How old is this guy? I saw his picture. He didn't look that old. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how old he is, but you know, he, Jan's looking good. He is looking good. Yeah. Maybe th- it's him. the uh it's the aliens it might be i'll have to i'll uh, ask him, i'll ask him about it be like what is the secret to your skincare like, regimen yeah don't humans like rub afterbirth on their faces sometimes so maybe he's doing alien afterbirth oh maybe but <laughs> <laughs> but i mean he's, he's a legit interesting human being aside from aside from having wonderful skin uh uh-huh. i think <laughs> i think that so him and his brother uh tried to build a flying saucer they were visited by a real ufo uh no more than 30 feet from them this is all from the the mufon board of directors page but yeah he he got a bs in nuclear engineering which damn and that that's when he got hired by ibm but he's just he now he's on the board of directors for mufon and he's the exact he's actually the executive director of mufon right now so we are a full-time job you think yeah I i think it is Wow, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we got we have the top top brass of UFO research coming on. I'm going to be interviewing him next Wednesday, so probably two weeks after this episode airs, you can look out for that. That's Very I'm cool. sure that's going to be a fascinating interview, and I'll ask him about Roswell and everything as well. But yeah, that I mean that that wraps up episode five. So episode six will be the director of MUFON. Episode seven, I don't know what what do you want to do for episode seven? I don't know, man. I'm really interested in this Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, Philadelphia experiment sounds good. Like, I mean, we should probably cover the cryptids that are on the damn sticker because uh, we've only done one. One day. That's just that's easy stuff though. Yeah, we who's on the sticker? We got Mothman, uh, the yeah. Jackalope, which uh, that will be that'll be a real boring episode. And then the uh, yeah. we can do a short one. Oh, we can do Jackalope and Chupacabra together, maybe. Um, yeah, they're both lame as fuck. Yeah, they're both on the sticker too. Two two <laughs> out of four cryptids on the sticker, lame as fuck. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Cryptids Decrypted. Uh, I mean, I gotta say those those sound effects were something else. Just wow. You, you can really tell this is a high-budget podcast now. I got maybe, maybe we should charge for it. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, hey, if you know anybody who's had a cryptid sighting um, or is what you would consider an expert in cryptids and would maybe want to be interviewed and come on the show, we'd love to have them. We treat all of our guests with respect. Like, we might be skeptics. We might, you know, make some jokes on this podcast, but we are always interested in hearing what people have to say. 
With that in mind, if anybody you know is interested or maybe you yourself are interested, you could uh, go ahead and send an email to cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com and we'll try and schedule you in. Yeah, so we've got the episode with Jancy Harsman coming in a few weeks. Keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.